0: Four years of hospitals and treatments, three relapses, two faith-filled parents, one brave boy, and one God, our God, who does uh, what the world says is impossible. That's the story that you're going to hear today, Um, the story of Brennan Simpkins. His parents are here, Turner and Tara, and your host for this Focus on the Family broadcast is Jim Daly.
1: Uh, John, perseverance is referenced several times in the New Testament. In Hebrews, uh, Christians are told that we need endurance. In Philippians Paul mentions pressing on to the heavenly prize through Christ Jesus. And in James, uh, being Jim, I like that book, uh, (laughs) we're told that the crown of life is waiting for those who persevere under trial. And uh, as an orphan, man, I know when life feels like you're trudging uphill in four feet of snow and it doesn't seem to be getting easier. And in that context, perseverance can be hard. Uh, It can be so difficult to find the courage to take even one more step forward. But what I think is really interesting is that the verb perseverance, as it was originally written in the Greek, didn't simply mean to patiently stay in a difficult situation but it implies action on our part. Um, in other words, as Christians, we're not called to simply keep going. We're called to be active participants in the stories God has called us to be a part of, trusting him with the results. And our guests today are a very inspiring uh, couple and their son as well. I would agree, Jim. Uh, Turner and Tara Simpkins are co-founders of the Press On Fund,
0: which is a nonprofit established to identify groundbreaking alternative
1: therapies for children with cancer and They have uh, three teenage boys. Turner and Tara, welcome to Focus on the Family. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Uh, Let's jump right in. Uh, From the time your middle son, Brennan, was a baby, you had a feeling, and I I thought this was interesting in the book, uh, but you said you had a feeling that God had something special in mind for him. Uh, Describe that feeling, and what was your reaction to it?
2: It's difficult to articulate. I mean, from the first moment that I held him, and there was something about he just there was a glow or an energy. You could just tell. And then from the point that he could interact with us, he was always reaching out. I mean, he was always wanted a hug. He was always happy, and he was always he was sort of the glue between. Once his little brother Christopher came along, between the the three of them, and then he had had these prodigious hand-eye coordination and just about everything he did, and I don't know. It was just a feeling. I don't really just know. Just something to caught say your attention. There was something about the kid. You, you know? actually had
1: a friend that also said something to you about him. Like yeah, that.
2: I re- that's, You know, every now and then you remember a conversation. Yeah. That, that was relatively. Um, it was late, later in the evening. So I'm glad that I recall it. But you know, when someone says that, you know, he was looking at him and uh, at a photo of him and having seen him early in the day. I remember my, it was his godfather, Frank, and he said, you know, there's something about this kid. I, I think he's going to do something special. They're so special. he gets to his seventh birthday, or almost to his seventh birthday, and he
1: suddenly started showing some signs of illness. Tell us about that day. What was unique about it? What caught your attention? And why did you take him to the doctor?
3: Well, he had started, as Turner said, he was this very active kid, and his brother was in the third grade and he was in the first and he was so fatigued over the Christmas holiday and we thought that it was just he's trying to stay
2: stay uh, up with his brother. Yeah, and, stay yeah. up with
3: his brother and all the third graders.
2: He was complaining about his leg hurting. He was hurting.
3: Compa- complaining about leg pain and the grandmothers huh. had said he was pale. So when he was complaining about his leg pain, I took him to an orthopedic pediatric orthopedic surgeon who's a friend of ours and he did x-rays and all of this and he said he's absolutely fine but the next time you go to your pediatrician you might want to ask for some blood work huh. so i just kind of put that in the back of my brain and we had taken all of the kids up to the mountains to see snow and all the kids were out there playing and brennan was just too tired and mm. then all three children all the kids
2: are making snowmen snowball fights and he's in the bed Really? And so that was... Um...
3: And then we then they all had a fever. So we cut the trip short, and we went to our pediatrician. The two boys had ear infections, and Brennan did not. And thankfully, I had the doctor's instruction in the back of my brain, and I said, would you mind doing some blood work? And he said, no problem. So I went to go to my law office. We The kids went with the babysitter. Turner went to work. And... I kept waiting for that phone to ring, and lunch went by and no no phone call. And after about 3 o'clock, I knew, like, this is a phone call a doctor's going to make. And at 5 o'clock, I got the call from yeah, the because doctor. Because usually a
2: nurse will make that call. Yes. Right? Nothing When the wrong. doctor calls, it's, you know, it's not a good sign. It's
3: not a good sign. And so they said, there's something suspicious in the blood work. Go get Brennan. Come back to the hospital. And we were – I remember thinking, driving – go pick him up to meet turner i'm like leukemia it just was Hmm. on my heart i thought it and i even called his godmother and said it
2: yeah but remember we had to go to the fifth floor of the children's hospital and that's the oncology floor okay and then as soon as you get off the elevator and there was this really sweet kid um who we became close with who actually um, it's a whole nother story, but, um, uh, that's just when you knew, I mean, you saw the kid with no hair and the bag of blood and sure. uh, all these other things hanging off an IV pole. All the devastation and then of it was, that.
1: Didn't,
2: you knew so that what, I mean, changed. what did they say
1: to you, the doctors,
2: when you got the news, what was said?
3: Your child has cancer. Your child has leukemia. Yeah. I mean, it took it, a little
2: while. It took them several days to pinpoint exactly what it was. At first they thought he had ALL, which is the more common form of, um, childhood leukemia. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, And then they thought it was aplastic anemia, um, which is, you know, another terminal blood disease. And then finally it was AML. And AML is? Acute myeloidal leukemia. And he had a weird subtype of it. It was a chromosomal deficiency called 7Q deletion. But That's a
1: very aggressive cancer, correct?
2: Yeah, it's one of the most difficult of the childhood cancers Mm. um, to cure. And uh, and fortunately, we had our head in the sands a little bit at yeah. that time, you know, so we didn't take on the, you know, the fear that we would have had, you know, in retrospect. So at that point, we're thinking, okay, we can do this, He's gonna you know, beat and it. Then we were positive we're and, you know, when we were, um, and, um, but, you know, that was short-lived, obviously.
1: That was short-lived. But I want to, I want to hear your hearts on this right. as mom and dad. Talk to me right. as mom and dad when doctors say that, and people listening, They may have heard it, or they're going to hear it, and I want you to connect with them because that's a moment where you can go a lot of different
2: directions in your faith, in your anger. Yeah, what happened to you guys? I mean, it's it's almost like a cyclone of emotions and thoughts at that point.
3: I, I think that to answer your question, there's a process that just human nature, right? You start to first you approach this as a business problem or something that. You know, I we can handle this, right? We can handle it. And I remember i had had a friend who was a pediatric oncology nurse, and she says it takes family seven times to hear your child has cancer before wow. the full effect of that actually falls in on them. And I remember... That night, we were so naive. We'd taken him to the hospital, and we were, you know, it's like 9 o'clock at night. We go, we've got two other kids at home. we got to get yeah. them to bed. like, like you're not going anywhere. Let's hurry this uh, operation. And <laughs> they, they said, there's, said
2: a, there's a cot for y'all that you're not going anywhere tonight.
3: So you're not going anywhere. So, like, things, it takes it a while to sink in. And then I remember the next day when the oncologist walked into the room who was on call that day, and she happened to be an acquaintance. And she hugged me, and she sobbed. Hmm. Wow. And she said, I am so sorry. And at that moment, I thought, oh, my gosh, we have no idea what the depth of this is. Yeah. And then I remember you're kind of caught between two worlds, right? You're trying to go through. You still have all the daily duties,
2: well, laundry, right.
3: getting yeah. the other kids to school, their lunches prepared. Their,
2: and the, at that point, we didn't even know what we were doing well, with our are, jobs or any of that stuff. I mean, the, you know, again, it just.
1: Are it, you in it, a fog? Are you trying to say, okay, what do we got to do you're, today? You're and,
3: almost hyper focused in a sense that, like, I think military, um, you know, when you're, we're on a mission, There's the fear that focuses you, that allows you you to focus on things. also distracts you from the depth of what's going on with your heart. But I remember that as the days went by, the fear, that, that understanding grew that what we were getting ready to go through. And Turner's sitting there reading. We were in the hospital room. We were able to stay there as a family and sleep. And so he's going through the protocol with all the side effects, And it's terrifying. And then I just hear this voice, and it says, in the midst of fear, fall deeper into love. In the midst of fear, fall Mm. deeper into love. And I knew that we were being told to trust, to trust in something. gives me chills. Trust in something bigger. I will hold you through this, right? You will be held through this. You will not go through this alone. Mm. And so...
2: Mm.
0: That is uh, phenomenal encouragement, and that had to be God speaking to you, yeah. right? And um, if you're tracking along with any aspect of this story, uh, please know that we have caring Christian counselors that you can talk to here, call and uh, schedule a consultation with them. We have resources, and uh, our phone number is 800-the letter A in the word family, or online you can find help at focusonthefamily.ca.
1: So uh, Brennan goes through his first bone marrow
2: transplant. The doctor yes. sits you down and says what? Well, he had sailed through transplant, um, so we, it was a, almost a little too easy. So you there, thought there, things were we going th- well, in a we great did, direction. But there was a little, we were also told that you know, post-transplant there needs to be some signs of friction, yeah. fevers, um, rashes certain things to show that this new immune system is that's fighting. effectively yeah. taking over and will hopefully see the cancer as something bad and foreign is fighting something um, and none of that happened that, you know, that day is the one where the cyclone really kicks in. Tara and I actually got physically lost driving home <laughs> in the car on a road that we traveled. You know, all of a sudden I took an exit, and I didn't even know because my mind was just Well, because everywhere. you heard there's yeah. no more hope.
3: Well, he said there's no curative option.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. he, they gave him two months.
3: He said call hospice, go to Disney World. There's yeah, no curative op- yeah.
2: option. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it it was, was very just awful. black and white. I mean, he was sympathetic. I mean, he wasn't this is a tough thing for it's doctors tough, right? to do.
3: It's so kind, but in, in a part of that kindness is the directness, right?
1: Yeah. Right, but but the difference was, you did not react in a way that said, "Okay, I guess this is over."
2: Lord, you have our son.
1: Right. Thank you for the yeah, time we, we, we had. had that, him.
2: We had a little kick in the pants in that regard. Talk about that. What One of our close friends, who I went to college with, and actually from Augusta, his son had neuroblastoma. And his son, Patrick, had relapsed, which is not a good spot to be, and um, it's a very difficult disease to survive at relapse. They were in Philadelphia, at Children's of Philadelphia. We're driving home. We call Stephen and tell him what's going on, and, you know, we're talking about this gloomy. Um, sure. And he said, you know, screw that. I mean, they just that up. He goes, man, No. And so we kind of looked at each other, I and mean, it was kind of what we needed. I mean, it's like the football coach saying, get back in the game, guys, you know. And uh, we knew that, um, you know, we were certainly behind. Um, but we came home, and we we got everybody that we knew who had a connection. We rounded up the troops, and we started making phone calls. Yeah, and
1: Terry, you and, kind of had that mama bear thing, right? You were
2: like, <laughs> kick it into gear. Let's go, right? It was,
1: it was
3: a bit of defiance. I think... Um,
1: what did that sound like in your mind? It, what it, I
2: mean, some people will say, okay, it's over. You well, that part is, yes, you're right, and that's what worries I, me.
3: I think that one of the, the places of grace that we had was we weren't alone, right? We knew we were not alone. We knew we'd been promised that we would be walked through this not by ourselves. Our friends were so important, the fact that we had a community, another family who was going through it, but we saw all kinds of families, single moms, children that never were able to come to the hospital, and there was always, well, what is it that we can do? How can we serve? How can we be of use? What is a better question that we can ask instead of, why us? How might I be used? How might I be of service?
0: This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
1: When Joy became a Christian, her husband contemplated divorce.
4: I think that God just really used Focus on the Family um,
1: and your guys' ministry to grow me and um, prepare me and um, guide my heart to live out um, in front of my husband what it means to follow Christ. I'm Jim Daly. Together, we can strengthen marriages like joys and give families hope. Donate at focusonthefamily.ca slash give.
0: Financial Moments with Tom Copeland.
4: In the parable of the hidden treasure, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all that he had and bought that field, Matthew 13, 44 to 46. God is saying that the kingdom of heaven is of such great value that we should be willing to give up everything that we have on this earth in order to have the kingdom of heaven, which would include the greatest treasure of all, a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, not only here on earth, but also in eternity in heaven. The apostle Paul considered his relationship with Christ to be more important than anything else. In Philippians 3, eight, Paul said, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. In summary, make your relationship with Christ your highest priority.
0: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. We'll continue now with the balance of our programming.
1: So as we work through this, though, I mean, we have about 10 minutes, and right. I want to make sure we grab all of this. Um, it's
2: a long story. Turner, it's hard no, no,
1: no, but it paints an incredible picture. Mm-hmm. The second transplant didn't take. The third transplant. Well, they did
2: take. Again, you know, there's a difference. You know, the, the transplant took, but then the cancer came back. In each of those In second, each of third times? Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we defied all the odds. You know, the second one he survived, the third one. Is a parent as a donor, So think about that as a half a match. You know, the child is half Terry. I mean, he's half me. And, and you were the donor in. for that third one, right? I was the donor for the third one, and it took, and then things went haywire, right. and we, um, he was given last rites, and we brought his brothers in to tell him goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was on a ventilator, and and you hear about it, but you could. Feel it. I mean, it was a physical energy of peace, knowing that you have peeled off the things that don't you've matter. You've done everything that you've you you do. done, everything that you could, and it was. I mean, it's hard mm. to describe it. But. So emotionally, you're saying goodbye to Brennan um, yeah. at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, Maybe we had
2: we had never done that inside before that heart. day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because we had almost all of the doctors and nurses and you know, child life specialists all were in the room. They're all weeping, thinking, mm. you know. And I remember a doctor in Philadelphia saying, I tried a trans- second transplant on a kid in less than a year, and he died a pretty gruesome death on a ventilator. And so that never left my mind. Right. And so here's this kid, third transplant, and he's on a ventilator. And, um, and then the decision to try for a but then fourth. He, but then he came back, you know, and then, um,
0: yeah. So, Tara, and did it, you still have that sense of we can get through this?
1: I
3: always had the sense that we could get through this without – being hopeful of what the outcome could be, but without having to need the outcome to, to prove it, it mm. and to define it, that we were held, right? There's Yeah, describe there's that a, a bit different, more. There's such a difference that we didn't have to say, God, you're going to prove it to us by saving our son, right? Like, we're going to have faith and that we need this outcome to happen. It was this you know, in the midst of fear, fall deeper into love was we always had this moment. And the question was, how can we feel love and be channels for that love in this moment Mm. and allow it to be enough? And that was our human struggle, which I do think Turner does such a beautiful job in the book because the science is one thing. But we're talking about a daily living in the practice of some hopeful expectancy and trust and believe and some kind of mixture of of, all of that with some type of confidence. And I remember during this time at the root of confidence is confido, right? Walking in faith. So we knew that this was all of that. And at the point Turner describes is the ultimate letting go that peace that passes all understanding that Mm -hmm. we read about right that's the ultimate letting go it doesn't mean that we didn't have any of those feelings that we didn't have any of that doubt that we didn't struggle but that became an active part of that walk what what she's
2: talking about is really you know the one thing that we were taught through that because you're in this cocoon submarine i mean whatever you want to call it the rest of the world's going on outside and I realize if I'm afraid of the outcome or worried about the outcome or angry about why we're here, I'm going to lose this moment that I have with this kid with me right now. Wow. And his brothers. And if I'd lose, and, and, and that moment may not be here 15 minutes from now. And but in his case, I mean, cause then it's all defined. I mean, when you're going through the mundane things of life, I mean, it's easy to kind of have that smothered right. up a little bit. And so this situation peeled off all that mundanity and, you know, when you're in an environment, when you get to St. Jude Children's Hospital, I mean, these are, a lot of these kids don't come out. Right. They're in and trouble. And you see lots of reactions. You see divorce. Um, it was an extremely high rate of divorce in yeah. pediatric cancer. Um, well, that, okay. and that's
1: part of it. Um, you guys were able to hold together. I mm-hmm. mean, even through this very stressful time. And the good news is Brennan received that fourth transplant, and it did work. And he's now doing great. He's 17 He's no longer that seven-year-old, eight-year-old fighting for life in the way he had to. He's doing much better, right? He is. He's he's
3: remarkable. Yes, he's seventeen. He has a lot of side effects from his treatment, but again, we're just so grateful. And if we can remember to stay in that place of gratefulness, that this is what we prayed for, even the days I want to strangle
1: him. No, the the normal stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I remember saying, "You know, we
3: prayed for
2: this. Now, normal (laughs) is good." <laughs> we got
3: it. Here we go. Like, like remember yeah. that we did this. But when talking about that specialness of Brennan, and I do, I think for parents who are go out there, that child never doubted that he was loved. Right? He was a fighter. He was a fighter. He never felt that abandoned. Was the thing that we saw. He never felt abandoned by God. He yeah. never felt abandoned. I mean, we. I had people write letters that said, "This child is paying for the sin of you and oh. your ancestors," and blah blah blah. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh, no!" So it, it was hurtful so interesting, that or that we were is, being Frankensteinian
2: right. in some way and making um, this kid endure things that he shouldn't well, endure. And yeah. we knew where. But I mean, you know, wanted he. It. All right, he was seven. Remember, so we were trying yeah. to cocoon them. Well. Once you're out of transplant relapse, you're at St. Jude, kids start dying. I mean, the gigs, I mean, yeah, the cat's know. out of the bag, right? So, I mean, it's, and our kids would go to funerals of other children. I mean, that's not something, when you could do that on a semi routine basis at the age of seven on, that's. It had an impact on them. But you know what
1: was what was good? This is the quote out of the book that really got a hold of me. You said, the interim nature of childhood itself should be sufficient to hold every one of our kids tight for every possible second. We should not need cancer for this. Man, that is powerful. Right. I mean, you guys went through a traumatic experience where your son almost died, not once, not twice, not three times, but almost many times. Right. And that fourth bone trauma. Marrow transplant, and if you don 't know anyone who 's done a bone marrow transplant, I have a good friend Chuck Bolte, who just went through that, and it is it's horrific it 's brutal. It's brutal. It's brutal. Mm-hmm. it takes about a year to recover yes if everything goes wa- mm-hmm. well and i 've just been watching that from a distance, and to hear when your son went through four of those in a yeah. short period in of time months. it caught my attention. it was yeah. like this is not. This isn't even normal for someone who's going through that. Right. The other aspect of it is your attitude to fight, and I just so appreciate that you didn't give up after the first situation where it didn't it didn't work, mm-hmm. and uh, you didn't give up as parents. That's a good lesson for all of us when it comes to medical issues that we may encounter at some point. I hope the people listening will take that as a declarion. Way forward, if, they, if they're given a, a
2: poor diagnosis. You're not going to hurt anybody's feelings if you keep get a trying. second opinion. I mean, you may be on the right track, but you need, to keep make fighting. Sure, you, you need to make sure that you got all the cards on the table. Yeah, and um, I so yeah.
1: appreciate that. The last question, which is really perhaps the most difficult, and my own brother and his wife went through this uh, cancer with their son, mm-hmm. and he was doing well, but then it got him again, and he didn't make it mm-hmm. at a young age. And so yeah. I think the question is a tough one, but it's for those families that did fight the good fight, but they lost their loved one, they lost their mm-hmm. child, their son or daughter. What word would you have for them?
3: I, I have enough, this understanding that every human's life is enough that whatever it is that they were meant to be to love whomever they were they were born to touch they did they touched them mm. and that it was enough and to find some peace in that right to find something in that we can spend our entire rest of our lives what ifing second-guessing, and if we're doing that, we aren't living the lives that we've been called to do.
1: Yeah. And right? it, you're really saying contentment has to be your goal, that you can't control these outcomes and that you I have mean, to find contentment. Everything has a consequence.
2: Yeah. Every little seed in the ground, every little pebble in the pond, and we may be a long ways off before that matures, and we may never know what it is, but it's something and each of those children who've been in the hospital have touched someone they've touched another family they've touched another doctor mm-hmm. and um there is meaning there it may not be the one that you know was written up in the handbook when the child was born but yeah. it's um certainly um i do think that we just we know in our you know that if we push the doubt aside then faith is there and then you can But hang that on. doesn't
3: mean you don't have the anger you don't have all of those no. human emotions to process. Process them. Learn from them. get don't help. Bottle it up. Don't no, bottle it yeah. up. Like, I like all that. of that Talk is very it. human. Yeah. Talk about it with your friends. Those are all Talk seeds that other are being planted. Who've gone through the same thing. Yeah.
1: You guys, I'm so grateful for you to be able to share, you know, your pain points you. with the audience and to be able to hear your wrestling through this and the fact that, you know, thus far. Uh, Brennan's in a good place. Maybe he not is. a perfect place, but he's in a much better place than he was 10 years ago. And God has been faithful.
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: And the point is, he's faithful always, always. no matter yeah. the circumstances.
2: Yeah, the circumstances are.
1: And John, as you said are. before, um, I can only imagine some of the pain in the people who are listening and things that they're encountering. And focus is here for you. That's mm-hmm. the whole point. We have so many generous donors who equip us to. Uh, have, um, you know, counselors in place to hear where your heart is, to help you, to give you some idea and direction, to give you biblical wisdom on what you can do to stay in the fight, the human fight of uh, doing better in this life and leaning into him. And we've got lots of resources to help you do that. Mm -hmm. We do. We're a phone call away, and that number is 800,
0: the letter A, and the word family. Uh, Online, you'll find help at focusonthefamily.ca. And it would be good to mention the book that Turner wrote capturing uh, a lot of this story. It's called Possibilities, Perseverance, Grace, and the Story of One Family's Life with Leukemia. Uh, We have details about how
1: you can get your copy at the website. Uh, Turner and Tara, what an amazing story. Bless you guys as you continue this journey of family and life. Thank you for Thank being you. with
2: us. Mm. Thank no, you I, very we much. really am grateful. We're really grateful. Thank and you. for
3: all the families out there. And when you, when you come back from something like this, you don't understand that there's still a lot of fight ahead of you. Like families, you know, you hear the military members that are coming back and trying to reintegrate. Yeah please, I just urge all of your listeners to use the resources that you have available for them and use that. Well, I love your, your
1: cry, which is hug your kid tonight. Hug your kid tonight. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, on behalf
0: of Jim Daly and uh, the entire team here at Focus on the Family, thanks so much for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back next time as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.